Welcome back to the Sideline Sportscast, episode 36. Brian, we've been gone for a little while, almost a month now. I'll take yeah. the majority of the blame for that. Um, hey, it's a busy time of the year. We had winter break, all right? Holidays, family, celebrations. Um, we do apologize for the hiatus, but we're back. So, yep. Logan, tell, tell them what we got in store yep, for your return. Episode 36, and this week's episode... The Cowboys shockingly didn't make it to the divisional round again. The Eagles and 49ers questions, have questions at the quarterback for next season. The Bills looked pretty darn good last week. And, uh, of course, we'll take a look at the divisional matchups. But first, we'll start with what we're drinking tonight. Brian, what do we have? Yeah, so uh, we went out into the, the realms of beer here at Total Wine is where I'm assuming you got this. It um, is. And if you've ever been to Total Wine, you know they have some very, very interesting selections. So tonight, we are going with the Bee Nectar Prickly Pear Kill All the Golfers Mead with Prickly Pear Black Tea and Lemon. It probably took me longer to say that than it will to take the drink the, the entire beer. So, probably, probably. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, the one comment I made to you uh, when you when I picked it up from you this evening was uh, specifically 219 calories. So it's yeah. been very, very uh, specifically brewed and calculated. So let's pop them open and uh, see what we got. Yep. So I am a mead fan. Um, oh, how yeah. about yourself? Oh, yeah. I love a good mead. Um, probably because they're usually a little bit sweeter and fruit forward. Um, and I think if anybody's been listening to the last... 50 episodes if you uh, go back and even listen to the two guys in a mic episodes you know that's kind of my go-to is the more sweeter side of things as opposed to the more hoppy as well, you would like to enjoy this is very sweet but it's i i like it i i'm kind of on a lemon kick right now um i like anything that has a lemon flavor and this bit having the uh kind of lemon aftertaste to it is really refreshing to me i uh, i'm a big fan of this it is really sweet though I don't know it how much very drink, sweet, but um, this can go down pretty quick. I'm pretty sure. Very sweet, a little tart, mm-hmm. obviously with the lemon. Um, almost tastes like a spiked brisk tea. Yeah, like a lemon I brisk. That. I get that. Right. Listen, I used to be able to destroy <sighs> some lemon brisk. If my mom ever listens to this, she could verify this. She would have to like not buy them because I would drink like. The entire yeah. thing in a week. You ever uh, do the raspberry, the raspberry brisk? Um, not not very often. No, I was more talking. of a traditional brisk guy. I'll tell you what I do love is the raspberry Arizona teas. Those are good. Oh I'm yeah, big, big tea guy. So yeah. Well, if those are if that's your cup of tea, if if you're a brisk tea drinker like Logan was, the bee nectar prickly pear, um, total wine across the country. Yep, go, go oh. check it out. I totally would buy this again. This is pretty good, refreshing. Perfect. So before we run into our first topic, as always, for those of you who may have forgotten over the past month, we would ask you to go check out our social media accounts at SidelineCasters on both Facebook and Twitter. I would say, Logan, that the Facebook page has been blown up in the past three, four weeks between football playoffs and big stories. Oh, yeah. So there's stuff on there. Get into the debate. Super Bowl is... Literally three weeks away. It's crazy to think about. Right. It just um, seems like every week we've had some kind of meme topic blow up, whether it's the Cowboys or the you know the Browns the week before that. 
you know, and it's just people are enjoying those. They're getting a lot of feedback on those. So check them out. And you mentioned the Cowboys, Logan. So why don't you just take us into the first topic? Because I think All it's right. uh, got some correlation there. Well, despite the repeated assertion from Dallas fans that this was, in fact, their year, it turns out that it's actually not the case, and this is not the Cowboys' years. Uh, uh, Dallas was the only home playoff team to lose during Wild Card Weekend. After an up-and-down year, the Cowboys have entered the offseason as one of January's biggest disappointments as they made an early playoff exit after a six-point loss at home to the 49ers. Two of the biggest takeaways from the game were, the, they, were the, they committed 14 penalties and called a very questionable quarterback draw up the middle from the 24-yard line with 14 seconds left and no timeouts. After the season of after a season of questionable play calls, it's absolutely fair for Cowboys owner Jerry Jones to question whether or not the right people are in charge. I know you and I, if we were running the team, Mike McCarthy would be out as head coach. But what do you think Jerry Jones is going to do? Do you think he's going to make a coaching change this offseason? I almost feel like he has to, and I'll tell you why. If there was a year over the past 20 years that it really was Dallas's year, this has got to be the closest thing, right? I mean, Probably. They've, had, they've had good offensive turnouts in years past, but this year it was really... And I think me and you both questioned their defense coming into the season, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they draft Micah Parsons, or Michael Parsons was finally available to play this year. I, he was drafted two years ago, if I can recall, and he was hurt, right, last year. Or somebody on their defense. Uh, Diggs comes out of nowhere um, with the turnovers. So their defense seemed to turn up the heat, right? So going into the playoffs, um, what would think maybe this was their year? But I think... You know, Logan, they got they got snake bitten. I mean, they've been inconsistent the second half of the season. They started off red hot, right? One of the best teams in the league. Arguably should have beat Tampa in the opening uh, game of the season. But things just started going wrong for them at the wrong times. They beat a Philadelphia team in the last week of the season by, what was it, 51 to 27 right, or something yeah. like that. But they're playing, you know, they played a Philly team that really wasn't playing any of their, their starters. And I think that almost hurt them going into the playoffs right because you know you play the 49ers they sneak their way into the playoffs in the last week of the season by beating the rams i think dallas overestimated the niners what they have because i think the 49ers i think you and i would agree was probably the most underrated team going Mm -hmm. into the playoffs so you almost had this perfect storm of events occurring over the last three four weeks of the season where it was a, this was the biggest trap game of Wild Card Weekend, and it turned out to be a trap game for Dallas. Now, specifically with McCarthy, you know, people remember, you know, a lot of things about him with his time in Green Bay. He has a 61% win percentage in his career, which is, is pretty decent for any head coach in the NFL. He has a championship, but people don't, you know, take the good with the bad. He had a lot of downfalls with Green Bay near the end of his, his time there, and I think this season in particular, we've been able to see some very questionable uh, play calls and game management situations right. with McCarthy where it's just people are scratching their head thinking, what is this guy doing? And I think his downfall came actually today. I don't know if you saw his press conference that he held, and he doubled down on that play call, the four, the the quarterback sneak with 14 seconds left. I don't know if you've heard what he said, but essentially 
his commentary was that play is a 13 second play. They had 14 seconds on the clock. So theoretically, if he had the opportunity a second time, he would have called the same play. How does that not nail his coffin right yeah, there? Here's my thing. You're, you're what on the 24 yard line. You got Dak Prescott. It's a three or four second play to the end zone and you get a couple more chances. Right. Right. Exactly. So I, I think he could have maybe salvaged his job. Okay. If there's one team in the league that's a win now team, it's Dallas. Right. I mean, Jerry Jones expects greatness every year, regardless of the roster. Right. That's a hot seat from the moment you get there until the moment you leave. And I think with those comments he made today, doubling down on bad play calls, and then, you know, losing in the wild card round, you know, against a, you know, banged up 49ers team, at least in the second half, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they made, they made a comeback. They, they had a chance to win the game. I think Jerry pulls the trigger. I think Kellen Moore's waiting. Now, Kellen Moore more than likely had a part in that play call, but you know the head coach is going to go down for it. Right. Um, I think they stayed with Jason Garrett for quite some time. And I don't know if the patience is there with Jerry Jones to give McCarthy the same amount of time that they gave Jason Garrett. I'm going to kind of go a little bit different direction from you. I, despite, you know, I think it's the wrong choice to keep him. I do think the most likely outcome here is that Jerry Jones sticks with Mike McCarthy. He's got a winning record. I mean, barely, but it's 18 and 15, two seasons. He was kind of given a free pass last year with Dak missing, you know, so much time. And and he made the playoffs this year, um, you know. Albeit, uh, you know, the NFC East is not the strongest of conferences. You know, he he still made the playoffs. And Jerry has stood strong behind McCarthy through his many mistakes this season, and even over the past two years, it kind of seems like he's determined to either be right about him, or he really believes that he is the right coach for this team. But like you said, let's not forget about Jason Garrett. He stuck with Garrett for like eight, nine years, even after he started with three back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back eight-win seasons in which those seasons he lost the last game of the season to a NFC East divisional rival each year to avoid the playoffs. So if he gave, you know, Garrett eight, nine years with that record, I mean, he's got a winning record. He's made the playoffs. I think he's going to give him more time. Um, you know, the, the assistant coaches and coordinators for Dallas are being heavily courted for interviews. Like you said, Kellen Moore, also the defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn is being heavily, uh, sought after. Yep. Yep. So I think it's more like we see a change at that level and either one or two of those guys are gone. McCarthy gets one more kind of prove it year. Uh, but you never know with Dallas. I mean, maybe Quinn gets pursued hard enough by a team like say Denver, uh, and instead of trying to stick out with McCarthy, maybe Jerry gets kind of uh, skittish and and does McCarthy and installs Quinn as the next head coach. You never know, but uh, certainly, you know, Mike McCarthy. I don't think is the answer. Discipline is a reflection of the head coach, and the regular season, the Cowboys led the NFL with 153 penalties and finished only second, one yard behind the Raiders, who are the league leaders in penalty yards. Uh, you know, that, that hurts you a lot, even though they had a winning record. So uh, discipline, play calling, game management, that's just kind of the trifecta of like things you can't have go wrong 
year after year just to instead head coach in the league. So I do think that he's back one more year. The Cowboys have to uh, just deal with him. Well, we will see, and I, I would assume that decision is probably coming down quite soon um, if that's what they're going to do. Uh, but moving on, uh, this was the season that 2020 second-round draft pick Jalen Hurts was supposed to show the Eagles that he could be their long-term answer at quarterback, and he did a lot to state his case. He showed he could be a vital part of a run-centric offense leading them into the playoffs in what most people would have expected to be a rebuilding year. However, Hertz is certainly not without his flaws, and his issues with downfield accuracy were on full display in Sunday's 31-15 loss to the Bucks. But he's obviously a tough player with strong leadership qualities who gave the Eagles everything he had and showed enough improvement over the course of the year to convince you he's capable of improving even further. So, Logan, should the Eagles be in the market for a quarterback upgrade this offseason, or do you think they stay with Hertz? You know, I think Hurst did a lot of good things. No one expected the Eagles to make the playoffs this year. Kind of a rebuilding year, like we said earlier. So the fact that he led them to the playoffs certainly, you know, has kind of proven that he's maybe, you know, worthy of another look. Um, but I don't think he did enough to make the Eagles sure that he is their long-term answer. So between their resources and the possibilities of the quarterback market this year with uh, Rodgers and Watson and Russell, they owe it to themselves to at least consider the possibility of an upgrade. The Eagles have three first-round picks in April's draft. They have the 15th, the 16th, and the 19th. That could at least afford them the opportunity to move up if they feel like somebody in this draft is that next franchise cornerstone. I don't think that's the play this year. I don't think there's a guy like that in the draft, but, you know, it is possible. Um, I think the more likely situation is they package them up and try to go after one of these big-name guys. And with that kind of capital, you could get a jump start on some of the other teams that really want to get these players. And if you can get a guy like that, you know, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, that changes your franchise, you know. And uh, I think probably the more likely situation is that the Eagles aren't going to be able to attract a guy like that. Um, and they're probably wiser to use those picks to build around Hertz. Um, this is an organization that is always considering all the options at the most critical position, which is the quarterback position. And let's not forget, that's why Hertz is on the team in the first place. He was drafted to replace Wentz. That upset Wentz led to his trading. And Hurts just started a whole lot sooner than anyone ever anticipated. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Philly's plan should be definitely replacing the quarterback this offseason. Um, I will say, and I'll kind of echo, echo some of the things that you were saying, I, I do think that Philly made their run late in the season based more on that offensive line in their run game as opposed mm -hmm. to Hertz just lighting up the field with his throwing ability. You know, he's got Devontae Smith. He's certainly got weapons in that offense, but it, it was really the physicality of the offensive line and the running game of the Eagles that kind of got them into that last playoff spot um, at the end of the season. So Hertz definitely showed signs of, you know, progress and uh improvement this year uh, i agree with you i don't think there's really many players that would want to go to philadelphia watson 
um, Russell Wilson. Um, I'm not sure they have the draw to get a big name like that, but I do think Philly should keep their options open. I don't know if Hertz is their franchise quarterback. I think it's going to take another year uh, to see what kind of improvement he could have, but certainly if a name like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson had interest in Philly, I still think it's a no brainer for them, right. To go get a guy like that. Um, and then in terms of the draft, I know you mentioned all their picks that they have in the first round. This is probably not the year, right, to trade up to get a quarterback. I don't think that the quarterback class for this year's coming draft is anything close to what we had last year. Um, and I think more than likely you're better off with a Hertz than drafting what's available in this coming draft. So... Um, you know, you make the playoffs in a, in a rebuilding year. That's certainly a good feeling. It certainly helped Hertz have this conversation that he will be the starter next year for Philadelphia come opening day. Um, but if you're Philadelphia, it almost feels like maybe you're just a quarterback away from being a lot better than you were supposed to be. Um, so, you know, keep your options open. But I think Hertz ends up being the starting quarterback for the Eagles in September of 2022. Yeah. And they actually came out today um, this afternoon and said that Hertz was going to be their starter for the 2023 season. I don't put a lot of stock in that. It's January. A lot right. can change. So, right. But, if I mean, Deshaun gotta, Watson comes knocking. Yeah. And says, I'd like to be a Philadelphia Eagle and they right. can make it work. Jalen Hurts will not be the starting quarterback in the 2022 season. So Right. If you got a guy like Watson in the NFC East, you're automatically vying for, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah Absolutely. They're, they're not that far behind Dallas with Hurts. So. Certainly a better defense, right? So yeah. maybe, maybe just a couple players away. Well, Brian, I don't know if you saw last week's game, but the Buffalo Bills had the first ever perfect offensive game no might, have, might, might have catch a few minutes of the game yeah i thought you might yeah, catch a little yeah, bit yeah. they had no punts no picks no fumbles no field goals just touchdowns on every single drive until the kneel down and all that against the nfl's number one overall defense a defense that's i believe they're number one in run defense and number five in pass defense but overall they're the number one defense in the league it's a type of build, a performance that's going to haunt Bill Belichick next year, so you guys better watch out. But the final score was 27-17. to 17. But reality, it wasn't that close, and the score doesn't do it justice. The only fourth down the Bills had all night long was the, the, run down, the kneel down that led to the game expiring. The number three seed in the AFC, the Bills, they still have to go to Kansas City this week. And then likely to Tennessee, if, even if they want to go to the Super Bowl. So, But no team has ever looked better on Wild Card Weekend than the Buffalo Bills last week. Brian, are the Buffalo Bills, your Buffalo Bills, now the team to beat in the NFL? I don't know if I'm prepared to say that they're the team to beat in the NFL, but I do think I'm oh, prepared to say that they're no, the team you, to beat in the AFC. You got to make a stand sure. here. Okay. I'm going to say, yes, they're the team to be, and I'll tell you why. If you look at both sides of the ball, you know they win 47-17, and we're, we're going to talk about 
you know, how great their offense was. And you just went through all the stats, right? I don't have to rehash them. It, it was amazing to watch, right? It's probably the best game I've watched them play, especially coming against New England, right? That's yes. a team that's, you know, and I think that's part of the reason that had us playing so well was mm-hmm. we've had, and I think you would agree, being a Dolphins fan, that there's almost this monkey on your back if you're in the AFC East, which is until you beat New England in the playoffs or even, you know, beat them twice in the same year, they've been the team to beat for so long that it feels good to beat them, right? Even if it was just a regular season game, it feels good to beat them. And this is just like a cherry on the uh, on top, right? So you got to give credit to Josh Allen, McDermott, the offense, Brian Dable, who maybe you guys will see down in South Florida next year. Um, but I think looking at every team that's left, you know, we have eight teams left going into the divisional round. I think it's hard to argue that the Bills are not the best team looking at both sides of the ball. You know, we're top 10 in both offense and defense, and I think we're coming into the playoffs pretty hot. Like you said, probably the best team performance in the in the wild card round. Talent on both sides of the ball. I think there's, you know, if we were betting, I think we would probably say that the best four teams are Green Bay, Tampa, Kansas City, and Buffalo, right? So absolutely, we can't. That's not going to be the championship games because Buffalo's playing Kansas City this week. But I think as we sit here today, with injuries on Tampa, with the Titans not really, you know, what are they? Is is Henry going to be back? Is he going to be what he was before he got injured? You know, Cincinnati. I think they're a year or two away from being an elite team in the AFC. Certainly good. So I think it's Buffalo or Green Bay is the question. Can't forget about the Rams, but I would still say Green Bay is probably better than the Rams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. And I think based on what we saw last week, based on the fact that the Bills won four of their last, you know, the last four games of the season uh, to get to the three seed, I think they're hot. I think they're the best team on both sides of the ball. And uh, if they play like they did against New England, which you mentioned had a pretty good defense, I, I think they're going to make a run. I think it comes down to this week. You know, if they can beat Kansas City in Kansas City, I would be disappointed if they don't uh, go all the way to the Super Bowl. Valid, very valid. I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm going to start by saying that I think the Patriots were an overachieved, overrated team. That they're not as good as people give them credit for. Let's not forget they're playing with a rookie quarterback. And a defense that once looked very solid started showing a lot of holes and a lot of problems as soon as they weren't forcing they weren't forcing turnovers at such like an incredible rate. Um, I know that's a kind of a real glass half empty kind of attitude, but as a fellow AFC East member, I gotta poke holes in your boat just a little bit. So, but I mean, all that said, I I do think that the the Bills' performance last week was. Unbelievable. Um, the Bills defense or the Patriots defense is still a very good defense, even though they've kind of fallen off. And I don't care who you, I don't care if you're playing the Lions and you put up a perfect offensive game. That is impressive in and of itself. Um, you know, so hats off to the Bills. Uh, you guys played really good. And, and, you know, the Bills, you guys, you guys dialed it up for the Patriots. And, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, definitely had a part. Especially after what you know happened or the season with 
you know, uh, the first matchup and running the ball and, you know, Mac Jones not throwing the ball at all. Uh, I think you guys really wanted to put the screws on t- to them in the, in the playoffs. But uh, like you said, I, I think that uh, AFC comes down to the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, my preseason Super Bowl pick was Chiefs and Packers. Uh, but after watching the Bills on Saturday, I'm feeling a little less certain about that. Um, the Chiefs and the Bills are very close in a lot of ways this season. Uh, both heavy favorites in the preseason. Uh, kind of had uneven seasons where they had their highs and lows. Uh, both finishing strong to you know get their division championship, and uh, you know both playing really hot at the same time. And I'm going to give the Bills the edge over the Chiefs. Uh, because of their defense, like you said. Um, I love me some Matt Milano. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's great. Know, he's a fantastic player. Uh, but that whole Bills defense is really scary. So uh, the problem is, is you guys don't have an easy road, you know. Unless the Bengals bring an upset in Tennessee, you don't have a, a home game this rest of the playoffs. So, um I do think they're probably the second best team, though. I, I'm going to stick with the Packers. I've been on that train all year long. I don't see a reason to get off. Um, they, they're, they're just as good, if not better, I think, offensively. Uh, defensively, I do give the edge to the Bills. It, it's going to be tough. You know, it's, it, it's so hard. They're, they're, they're so close. They're so close there. Oh, yeah. No, but, I mean, that's why I hesitated. But right when you I, ask me the question, you know, I, I do think experience plays a, a, an important part in that, you know, Rodgers has a little bit more, certainly not, a, not successful in all, all postseason ventures, but I, I just, I got to give it to Aaron Rodgers. I think he's the best player in the league. It, it's still a Packers for me, but I do think the Bills are the second best team, Chiefs, and then. Tampa. Yeah, I don't think anybody's complaining if it's Green Bay Buffalo Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, no. I think that's going to be a good game, and uh, we'll see. You know, it's uh, it's weird to think about, uh, it, but it's it's a it's a tough tough road, like you said. I mean, we beat the Chiefs in Kansas City earlier in the season, but it's the playoffs now, right? So it's, it's different, and uh, to mm-hmm. go into Arrowhead twice in a year and beat them, it's going to be a challenge. So, yep. Yep. All right. Well, we'll get off my uh, my uh, you know bandwagon here and uh, go over to the the NFC and talk about some Jimmy G uh, having helped the helping having helped engineer the 49ers upset victory in Dallas. Jimmy Garoppolo is two wins away from quarterbacking his team to the Super Bowl for the second time in three years. The 49ers are a run first team that spent a boatload of picks to trade up to take Trey Lance number three overall in last year's draft but there's no arguing that Garoppolo played very well over the second half of the regular season and is one of the reasons their season is still going on. He held off Lance all season. Logan, can Jimmy G continue to hold off Lance during the offseason or will the 49ers make a transition? I think it's time to make the transition. We didn't see a whole lot of Trey this year. Um, I don't know what that means for his progress. Um, I don't follow the 49ers enough to know how he's doing in practice. But, I mean, Garoppolo, he is the reason why they're kind of in the playoffs this season. But, I mean, we see 
injuries for him an awful lot. He's got the thumb injury now. He's got I think a separated shoulder after the Dallas game. You know, he he's almost gave away that Dallas game and kind of gave them some life uh, when he threw that brutal interception late in the game. But um, you know, it's it's got to be hard for Kyle Shanahan to trust him with the ball. Uh, you know, especially in Green Bay this week, but even going forward. I think that uh, I think it's, it's time, but you know it's just the injuries. If he can't be on the field, you know for the entire season, it's it's hard to keep a guy like that who's just kind of marginal hanging around. <clears throat> you know, uh, I think that the the ceiling for for Garoppolo has kind of been discovered, and uh, I think we don't know what that is for Trey Lance, which which leads me to the fact that. I think that it's going to be him next season um, if I had to put some money on it. Yeah, you know, I think the 49ers have kind of put themselves in this position where they really don't have a cha- a choice this coming offseason. And it's kind of twofold. I mean, you trade up to number three to get Trey Lance. You know, most number three overall picks in today's NFL, especially at the quarterback position, that that's a starter, right, for that coming year. So... It's almost um, off cuff for the 49ers to not have played Lance at least a little bit more than they have this year. Um, kudos to you know Garoppolo. The 49ers make the playoffs. That's certainly part of his play. Um, but like you mentioned, I think the big thing with him is the injuries. It's every year there's something. He misses multiple games. He's getting paid a lot of money to be their quarterback. And I think, you know, John Lynch and that organization went and got Trey Lance for a reason. And I think there's a lot of politics in the game of football right now, especially when it comes to drafting quarterbacks early in the draft. And I, I think for them, for them to have made that pick at number three this this past draft for Trey Lance, it's almost a if you're not going to use him, why did you draft him? situation so i think more than likely their plan for this offseason is going to be especially if they're if they're off if their season ends this sunday or saturday mm-hmm. against the packers right their 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 plan is going to be to offload garoppolo to the highest bidder and i think there's plenty of teams out there that would not mind having a jimmy garoppolo mm-hmm. on their roster um super bowl quarterback you know um learned under brady got a team to the super bowl Certainly has talent, um, and I think the 49ers get what they can for him and then try to build around Trey Lance. They may have a down year or two with that with that plan, but I think they're playing the long game, and I think, honestly, them making the playoffs this year, especially looking at where they were sitting you know, halfway through the season, um, it's kind of like a Philadelphia situation. I don't think it was expected sure. um, halfway through the season, and they're, they're just trying to – see how far they can go with it. they they've got playmakers right i mean they're two they're two years out of the super bowl two years ago mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of people would say maybe the reason they didn't win that super bowl two years ago also is somewhat attributed to jimmy garoppolo so um i think that relationship's kind of run its course and uh i think they're going to make the move just like you said yeah i mean part of me almost thought that we would see trey lance come in you know somewhere on the bye week uh, and kind of take over that team. Nowadays, when you're a, a, a third round or a number three pick, not a third round, number three pick, you just, you don't get a lot of time to sit and learn. You, 
kind of get thrown in there and and kind of trial by fire kind of thing. So, <clears throat> but anyway, this weekend we reached the divisional matchups in the 2021 NFL playoffs. There are four matchups over two day period for the eight remaining teams. And we, sh- we should all <clears throat> be in for a pretty entertaining showdown. On Saturday, the number four seeded Cincinnati Bengals travel to Tennessee to take on the number one seeded Titans, who may or may not have King Henry back at their disposal. Saturday night, we see the only non-divisional winner, the 49ers, travel to the Green Bay Packers to take on the likely MVP Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> and the Packers. Then Saturday, we see the Rams and Bucks and close out the weekend with the Bills and the Chiefs. Brian, these matchups are sure to have us glue the TV all weekend long. Which matchup are you most looking forward to? And what is your one lock pick for this weekend? Yeah, so I mean, I won't talk more about the Bills and Chiefs. Obviously, that's my number one game for the weekend for obvious reasons. But I'm going to talk about the game that precedes that on Sunday. Um, I'm very interested to see this Rams-Bucks matchup. Uh, the Rams beat the Bucks in L.A. earlier in the season, but this is the playoffs. It's Tom Brady in the playoffs. It's a whole different situation. The one thing about the Bucks that concerns me is the injuries, right? No Chris Godwin, obviously no Antonio Brown for them any longer. Um, their uh, all-pro right tackle is uh, a game-time decision is what it looks like it's going to be. Leonard Fournette, we don't know if he's going to be 100%. So the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who came into last offseason, or I'm sorry, last postseason, very healthy, which a lot of people attribute that to their success throughout the playoffs. They're a little broken down right now on both sides of the ball. So um, I think the Rams have an opportunity to go down to Tampa and win that game. If, if the Bucks are favored, I, I would say it shouldn't be more than a point or two, you know, given the home field advantage and the Tom Brady, uh, you know, advantage. Better quarterback goes to Tampa, but the Rams are no slackers. They have a great defense. I think that's going to be a very, very entertaining game, and I think it's going to go down to the wire. But my one lock pick for this week, and I think we'd be on the same page, is I I think it's Green Bay. It's Green Bay at home. Aaron Rodgers is rested. He's ready to come out and play. It's going to be cold. The 49ers have had Green Bay's number in the postseason as of late. But I think that Green Bay team is just too strong. They're the number one seed for a reason, and I think Aaron Rodgers comes out and impresses um, on Saturday. I'm right there with you. For my that's my lock pick for this weekend. You know, it's going to be I think right around zero uh, for the game. And Aaron Rodgers has a pretty impressive record in sub freezing games. You know, he's 28 and eight uh, overall, six and three in the playoffs. You know, Jimmy G on their side, he's 0-2. Uh, he's, he's not good in cold weather. He's got the thumb injury. He's got the new shoulder injury this week. They're going to have to hold the, hand the ball off quite a bit this week. And uh, if that's your game plan against Green Bay, I don't see you winning that game. Uh, you know, when they played earlier this season, in the, I think it was week three or four, they had a very tight matchup, and, and Garoppolo only threw a couple yards less than Rodgers, threw the same amount of touchdowns as Rodgers, and they lost by two points. I think if you're going to keep pace with the Packers, that's the route you have to go. And they, I just don't see Jimmy Garoppolo being able to, to hang like that this, this go-around. So I'm with you. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say 
that the uh, Green Bay Packers are, are going to win that game. Um, I think the spread was only uh, only a couple points. It was like six points, I think. But uh, I think it's probably going to be a little higher than that uh, come the end of the game. Uh, the game that I'm most interested in watching this weekend has to be the Bills-Chiefs game. That is a conference championship level game that we are going to get in the divisional round. So, uh, to me, this is 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 a prime time. Uh, th- these two teams are so close. Like I talked about earlier, this is what you're hoping for in a you know conference championship game. Um, you know, no disrespect to the the Bengals in, in Tennessee or. Or, or or you know Tampa and, and the Rams or anything like that, but this has got to be the most watched game of the week. Yeah, no, I would agree, and I think that's why they put it on the. They're not dumb, right? That's why they put it at six thirty on on Sunday night, that right. prime time spot. So, yeah, fingers crossed. But uh, that takes us into our saucy speculation. Well, let's do uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do a little housekeeping before we. Uh, yeah, go we, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, for those of you guys who followed the picks this year, um, we haven't been consistent with picks since about week 15. Uh, so we're going to just kind of chop that for the end of the season. I will declare myself the winner since I uh, was leading by one point uh, at the end there. What do you say about that, Brian? Fair? Eh, I'll give it to you because I f- finished better in fantasy, so we'll call it a wash. Ooh. You know you also finished better in? Was our lightning round prop bets uh, okay. season? So run through these really quick. Um, we talked about uh, most player with the most sacks. We both picked Chase Young. Uh, he did not do well this year. One and a half sacks in the year. Didn't get a full season in. the uh, The leader was T.J. Watt. Twenty two and a half sacks. Very impressive. Uh, most rushing yards. Uh, I picked Derrick Henry, which looked like a good pick until uh, what week nine. Right. You had Calvin or Delvin Cook, uh, another good pick, but it was Jonathan Taylor, eighteen hundred plus yards on the season. Most receiving yards uh, belong to my uh, star fantasy player Cooper Cup, one hundred forty-five receiving yard or most most receiving. That can't be right. One hundred forty-five, maybe one hundred forty-five receptions. Yeah, yeah. So, he had over th- we had over like what fourteen hundred yeah, yards, I think. Yeah. So, so he maybe one hundred forty-five receptions. Uh, Devontae Adams had was my pick, 123. You had Diggs, 103. Uh, both good picks, but uh, you know, came up a little short. Most touchdown passes belongs to Brady. Uh, I think again, I think he had it last year, or did Rodgers have it last year? No, it was close. Either one of them. Yeah, but uh, we both picked. Uh, I picked Rodgers. You picked Mahomes. Both had 37, so came up six short of Brady. So most interceptions between uh, Stafford and Lawrence. Uh, they tied for 17. Uh, I picked Goff. You picked Sam Darnold. Uh, you had the better choice in that one. Uh, Darnold had uh, 13. So, Worst regular season record. We both picked the Houston, Texas. Came in very close. They just happened to win a couple games at the end there. Jags 13-14. Houston, Texas 14-13. Um, NFC East over under... Uh, game and a half above 500. They did not even come above 500. They were below. We both picked the under. So give us a pat on the back for that one. Mahomes over or under 5,000 passing yards. I went over. You went under, and you were correct, sir. <clears throat> uh, we did over under 36 and a half touchdown passes, which is his uh, 36 was Brady's 
uh, total last year. Like you said, he had 43. I took the under because I'm a Brady hater. You took the over. You were correct. Um, Lamar Jackson over under 1,000 rushing yards this season. Both took the under on that. Only ended up with 767. Did miss the last couple weeks of the season, though. So, uh, you know, that is what that is. Uh, I think we had Mayfield versus Stafford for the opening uh, game this year. And, and uh, who was going to have the higher QBR that week one? That was Stafford. 102 uh, versus Mayfield, May, Mayfield's uh, 83.1. So uh, we both, <laughs> who's going to retire first, Ben Roster Brady. That's not official yet, but I think it's pretty safe to say our pick in Big Ben was pretty good. Uh, and then if we're going to have a tie game this season, I said no, you said yes. I think we actually had multiple ties this season. Yeah, like four or five. Yeah, which is just awful, awful. So, anyway, that'll take us into our saucy, saucy speculation. Brian, I need a sip of beer. What is your speculation? Yeah, so I'll stick with the divisional theme. I actually think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go down to Tennessee and win that game against the Titans. And I think it's for just a couple reasons. A, I think the Bengals are hot right now. I think uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Joe Mixon are a deadly combination. They have a great offense, and I think they're young, right? So I don't think, you know, a lot of people are saying that they're a year or two ahead of the curve. You know, they still have a year or two to go before they're going to, you know, be in that AFC championship winning form. I, I would agree with that. Um, but the Tennessee's been an up and down team. They've had weird wins and weird losses. I don't know what Derrick Henry's going to be like. They did have a good last week of the season, but, uh, you know, they've had two weeks off. They might uh, get punched in the mouth early on in that game, and I think the Bengals have enough uh, firepower on offense to maybe sneak one out in Tennessee. The truth is I'm just hoping that for that to happen so that if the Bills do win, that we get the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game in Buffalo. Nah, it all comes full circle. What about you? What you got? <laughs> well, I'm going to stick with the, um, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Titans as well. Um, I'm going to say that Joe Mixon finishes with more rushing yards than Derrick Henry. You know, obviously these two are two of the best running backs in the NFL. They're both top 10 running backs this year, even with Henry, um, you know, being out. I think he's arguably the best running back in the NFL. Um, But there's kind of questions as to his health going into Saturday. You know, how much rust is going to be kind of on those legs. So I think that, uh, I think that he'll see probably 10 to 20 carries um, which means I think Mixon will probably top that. So I think he's gonna gonna outrush him. Yeah, I think it's very very doable. It looks like Tennessee is gonna make the final call on Henry's ability to play in that game tomorrow. Um, but I would be very surprised if he doesn't play in that game. Maybe I'll get that right by default. There you go. So, well, you you want to just run through the games this week? I'll talk about spreads and uh, give picks. Just for yeah. Time. Yeah, you got the spread, so... I got him, I got him up here, so... It hit me. We'll start with the early game, the, or I say earliest 4.30, but uh, Cincinnati and Tennessee, of course, Tennessee's at home, favored by three and a half. Uh, you already said that you're taking uh, Cincinnati straight up, and I'm going to agree with you, I'm going to pick Cincinnati, uh, so I think we're both taking uh, taking the spread on that one, or taking the uh, Bengals to cover. Yep. So... Next up, we got San Francisco and Green Bay. The spread is kind of down a little bit. It was, I think it was six. It's now five for Green Bay. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, that makes my life easier. I mean, six was pretty easy. Yeah. I thought, I, I think this is at least a touchdown game for Green right. Bay. If it was in San Francisco, maybe, you know, there's an argument that it's more of a field goal, field goal type game. But in Green Bay, in the playoffs, in the cold, Aaron Rodgers, MVP, they're going to win by at least a touchdown. I'm going to agree with you for all those exact reasons. So next we have the LA Rams at Tampa. Tampa being the home team favored by three. I'm actually going to take the Rams to cover um, or to win. So, like you said, the Tampa is just a little banged up. He hasn't quite, Brady doesn't have quite the weapons he had last year. I think the Rams are one of those teams that are getting hot at the right time. Um, they're, they're certainly good. Uh, Cup and Stafford, that connection is, is pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So, I think that this is a close game. I think it may be a three point game. But I'm going to say the Rams win. Yeah, you know, I am going to actually pick the Rams as well. And it comes down to the, the Rams D-line versus the Bucks O-line, which is brutally banged up. And if there's one thing that we've learned about how do you beat Brady, yep. right? It's you pressure him and you get to him quick. Right, and you got to get the sink. And I think Aaron Donald and Von Miller and that defense is just going to have an easier time getting to him with the injuries that they're experiencing on that O-line. Their center's not 100%. Like I mentioned, their all-pro right tackle is a game-time decision. If the Rams can get to Brady, I think they win the game. I agree. I think that's a good point. And last up, we got Buffalo, Kansas City. I already know who you're taking. You're taking Buffalo. I'm also taking Buffalo. The spread is two and only two points. Man, this is the closest game. Yeah. I don't like to pick my own team in these situations, right? Because I don't want to jinx it or anything, but it just it just feels like we're due. Right. And I just I think that our defense, if they do what they did in the first game, if our offense plays like they've been playing, I just don't know if they can keep up with us. Right. And like you said earlier, the one thing Buffalo does really well is they get dialed up for for good matchups and for you know interdivisional games. Uh, oh yeah, you know Buffalo they turn it up when we play Miami. When they when you guys play Miami, um, you turn it up when mm-hmm. you play uh, Patriots, the Jets that are just out there, you know. But even Kansas City, you know, that's a team that Buffalo wants to beat, and they're gonna want to beat them big. Two There's points, a lot, yeah. There's yeah, a lot of feelings points. on that Buffalo sideline. I mean, this was the AFC Championship game last year, right? So, I mean, yep. we beat them in the regular season, but it's not the same as beating them in the playoffs. So, I don't right. think it's not going to take a whole lot for those guys to get hyped in the locker room before the game. Right. Agreed. So, yep. So, we'll both take Buffalo. So, I think we're on the same page. I don't think we differed on it. No. Any so, we did not. Yep. So, we'll see if we're right on uh, Sunday night and go from there. So, do you want to take us into our. Uh, a little bit of sports history for today. Yeah, so on this day in 1995, the NHL season began uh, began after a lengthy 103-day strike, which caused uh, over 468 games to be canceled. The lockout began on October 1st of 1994, the day that the regular season should have begun. The key area of dispute was the NHL's efforts to impose a tax on salaries that were higher than the average. The NHL... Players Association viewed it as a variation on a salary cap and flatly refused to consider it. The strike was not the most devastating strike in NHL history. That belongs to the 2004-2005 labor dispute, 
where the main issue was once again the league's proposal of a controversial salary cap, which was firmly rejected by the players' union. After five months of very public labor negotiations, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman canceled the season. The NHL became the only major North American professional sports league in history to lose an entire season to a labor dispute. It was the first time since 1919 that the Stanley Cup was not awarded. Yep, sad day for the NHL. That was a... NHL was just gathering so much speed and momentum and viewership along that time. And that loss of a year just set them back so much in terms of notoriety and publicity of the sport. And man, it it, it was bad. Well, so. as we've learned anything over the last few decades in sports, it's all about the money. All about the money. So, with that being said, that has been another episode of the Sideline Sportscast. We're glad to be back with you guys after our winter hiatus and uh, we ask you all to tune in next week where we will discuss the outcome of the divisional matchups and uh, look forward to the AFC and NFC championship games.